Hello everyone, I am Pastor Dan, the Senior Pastor here at Crosswalk Church, and I'd like to welcome you to our worship for today. We are in the message series, Higher Calling. We're in the last week and seeing that we are called to service. Now, if you have seen the other uh, messages, you will know that with the higher calling, there has been calling to faith, a calling to follow discipleship, a calling to worship. And today as we finish, as we see all these interactions with Jesus and Jesus calling them higher, we're going to see that he also calls us to, to do something. That, that that question, God, Jesus, what, what is it that you want me to do as a higher calling? And now as, as you look at the notes even, the, the higher calling, the, the word calling is something I want you to focus on for a moment. And the reason why is because we have a word in the English which is called our vocation. And the word vocation comes from the Latin, uh, waco, vaco, however you want to say it, and that word means to call. And so a lot of times when we consider what it is that we do for a living, that it's, it's called our, our calling. And I think as we look at higher calling and as what we look at what we do with our lives, that we consider it part of a calling that we have from God. And so many times I see this where, where individuals ask the question, what does God want me to do with my life? What is he calling me to do? How do I, I get in touch with, with what God's plan is for my life? And so as you consider that, I, I want you to think of, there's some words from Ephesians chapter 2, uh, great verses in, in verse 8 where it talks about, it's by grace we have been saved through faith, not of ourselves, not by works, so that no one can boast. And so it points to Jesus as the way to heaven apart from works. But then he goes on to say that we are God's workmanship. We are his handiwork. We are handmade by God to do works that he's prepared in advance for us to do. And so today, as, as we think about higher calling, I want you to think about vocation. I, I want you to think about maybe what you are doing with your life. But I also, as we start here, I would like you to dream for a little bit. And we had this opportunity to do this as a staff this past week. We had our quarterly staff meeting. And so our staff was in at a meeting. And just for a portion of the meeting, I asked them to dream about what the new building would be like when, when we build here at Crosswalk, what they would like to see. And, and these are just some of the dreams. One person said, what I would love to see is I would love to see a fully functioning coffee shop. But not just any coffee shop. What I would like to do is hire kids either from church or from the neighborhood that could use the money that they made to go on mission trips throughout the world. And then what we would do is we would decorate it with the pictures of these kids going out throughout the world sharing Christ. Then another idea came in, and what we could have in there is a pottery studio type thing where, where you're actually being served the coffee in the cups that are made there, on plates that are made there, that if you want, yeah, you can purchase. And, and all this money then would also be given for charity. 
Another person said, you know what, I, I would like to have that coffee shop really great, but outside of it, what I'd like to see is a playground and, and, and a place where moms could meet with their kids, where they could come in and have coffee, but also then that there would be like a mommies and me time where where these moms could get together, that families could get together around this coffee shop and around this playground at church. Another person said, my, my take on it is a little bit different. I, I'm thinking in terms of things that, that Levine doesn't have. And so what would be cool is that in one of these, these buildings that we have, if we used people who had trades like carpentry or electrician or whatever it is to teach kids from Betty Fairfax or Cesar Chavez a trade, so imagine that, like after school, they would come home from school and, and they would come to Crosswalk and it would be there that they would be trained in, in different uh, skills that they would be able to go and they would have jobs. And then another person said, I think it would be great if we had a studio there uh, where we could do music recording, where we could do video recording. And I could go on and on. But what was so fun about that was that we were, we were searching out where God is is leading us because what we want is the first question. And that is, how can I be great in God's kingdom? And I hope you see today that, that as we go through this lesson, it's probably going to be the beginning of a conversation, not the end of it. But as we look at this, how can I be great in God's kingdom? Understand that God is calling you to greatness. That is, that is what he wants for us. And I'm not talking about some type of social gospel. I'll, I'll explain exactly what I'm talking about. But we're going to see a situation where individuals wanted to be great in the kingdom of God. And Jesus did not try to talk them out of it at all. And so as you think of the higher calling today, I want you to think about a calling to faith that God brings us into a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. But I also want you to think about the calling of what God is calling me to do with my life, of, of something that I am going to be passionate about, that I'm going to follow him. And, and the final words that I wrote down is that I want to make a difference, that, that I want to make a difference with my life. And, and we're going to see how obviously Jesus made a difference with his and if we're following him with this higher calling, what does it look like to, to make a difference in my life and to be someone that as God looks at me, he would say, you are great in my kingdom. So like we've done with each one of our lessons, uh, we, we go back to an interaction with Jesus where, where uh, a person comes looking for one thing and Jesus gives them something else. And this one is, is in chapter 10, Mark chapter 10. And it's now not some person, random person that Jesus is meeting for the first time, but it's his disciples who have been with him for a while. And this is what happens, uh, starting with verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other your left in your glory. 
And so when you, when you hear these words, I, I, I think you might know that Jesus, we're going to see that Jesus' reaction to what they were asking, we'll get to that. Of You guys are going at it about the wrong way a little bit. But, but first of all, I, I like the question, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And so the question for you, for me today, is this, what do I want God to do for me? That, that if I were to be able to go to God and say, God, this is the one thing I want from you, what would it be? And now as you think about that, there, there's a place in 1 Kings chapter 3 where this actually happened. And it's uh, the king uh, Solomon, he was the son of David. The next king was King Solomon. And God came to him one evening and asked, he said, Solomon, I will give you one thing. Whatever you want, um, I will give to you. And when, it, when I hear that, I can't help but think of Aladdin. I, I can't help but think of the genie. Hello, Aladdin. Nice to have you on the show. Can we call you Al or maybe just Din? And, and as you, you think of what, what do you want to be, genie, I want to be a prince. Aha, to make a prince. Make me a prince. And what's interesting about this is Solomon already was. Solomon wasn't just the, the prince. He was the king. And so now that he's there as the king and, and God says, I'm going to give you whatever you want. Solomon, we know, said, I need wisdom, Lord. I need it. If I'm going to be a king and I'm going to be a good king and I'm going to be great, that I need the wisdom, Lord, that only you can give. And God was so pleased with Solomon. He really was. And, and even said, since you didn't pray for wealth or the death of your enemies, or anything else like that, but simply in humility you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you that and so much more. And so this is where the warning is for you, that, that as you think about greatness, you need to be careful that you don't come at it the wrong way like James and John did. And so that's the next fill-in, and that is many people feel the way to greatness is through power, prestige, or position. And I hope you see I, I used all P's there. So, uh, so, so what you might be looking for might not fit exactly under those, but a lot of people do. I want power, prestige, or position. And so when I think about this, I, I think about how young it starts. I was a coach for a, a minor league uh, baseball team. So these are kids that are maybe in, they're seven or eight years old, something like that. And when you would bring these kids in, you know what they all wanted? I want to be the pitcher. I want to be the shortstop. Uh, I want to be the person up to bat. And it was always this, this position that they would see as the one that was most important. When you think of kids in kindergarten, what do you want? I want to be the first one in line. I want to be the leader. I, I, I want some type of, again, a power, prestige, or position. And so for us, as we continue to move forward, it's the same thing. What is it that I want? I, I want to be the homecoming queen or king. I want to be uh, the captain of the, of the team, of the football team, of the whatever it is. And it continues. I want to be the CEO. I want to be the deck boss. I want to be the person in charge of my shift. I want to be the manager. I want to be the senior manager. I want to be the CEO. And 
it's not wrong to be those things. It's not even wrong to aspire to those things. But if you believe that your greatness is going to come because now I have this tag, that now I have this title, it's going to bring me fulfillment, you are going to be sadly mistaken. And especially for James and John, in essence, they were asking to be the king. And that would be like Solomon, who now was the king. Once he, he had that title, what he realized is he needed a lot more because he was in no position with the gifts that he had at that moment to be able to carry out the task. And if James and John thought that, oh, now that I have this title, that now I'm going to feel better about myself and I'm going to be great, it would have simply exposed their weaknesses. It exposed how inept they were for the task. And we need to understand that too, that power, prestige, and position. When we aspire only to those things for the sake of those things, they will leave us empty and a sham and a fraud. Jesus goes on and says, you don't know what you are asking. Jesus said, can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. And so what Jesus is saying to them and he's setting us up for as well is, is he's saying this, understand that if you want to be great, if you aspire to greatness, that's that's a good thing, but understand that, that along the way, as you prepare for that, there is going to be pain. There is going to be a cost that you pay and, and things that you give up. There's a price tag for greatness. And the way that he says it here is that, can you drink the cup I drink from? That cup, remember in the Garden of Eden, when he said, may this cup be taken from me? yet not my will, but your will be done. He's talking about the cup of suffering. And when he's talking about the baptism that he was baptized with, this also was the baptism of adversity, the, the baptism of, of being the people coming and, and crucifying him and, and the pain and the hurt uh, that it would take for him to be seen as great. And even the cross so as we look at this, when, when we are saying to be great in the kingdom of God, that a part of that is always going to be the cross. It's going to be the, the suffering that's associated with following Christ. In the blank, you can write, Jesus doesn't condemn. He doesn't condemn the desire to be great. He doesn't. He doesn't condemn the desire to be great in God's kingdom but warns that the path is painful. He warns that the path is painful. When I look at this, another illustration that I think of is Lord of the Rings, which is one of my favorite um, movies in the trilogy to watch. And one of the interesting parts of the beginning of that movie when it comes to the ring is that each person there has an interest in carrying the ring, that they're going, you know, I, that's something I, I would like to do. But when you, you look at the whole movie and the weight of carrying the ring and how heavy it was, that, that you are able to see what it did to Gollum, who it, it just, it destroyed him. And even when you look at Frodo as he carried the ring throughout, it, it was such a heavy weight and it was so hard on him. Is that understand what's involved 
that, that as we look at this aspiring for greatness or, or even titles, position, prestige, power, all of those things have a weight to them that we need to understand. It's not just doing whatever you want to do all the time. That is not greatness in the kingdom of God. Jesus goes on and says, Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink from. And, and so with these words, he's telling his disciples, and uh, 10 out of the 12 would die a martyr's death. That means that 10 out of, 10 out of the 12 of them would die as a result of their relationship with Jesus. They would be put to death for their faith. So he's saying, you will drink from this cup. And the baptism I am baptized with, as you follow me, you will experience this in a very real way. But to sit at my right hand or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. And, and with those words, they, they belong to those for whom they have been prepared. I want you to go back to the words that I said at the beginning, and, and that's from Ephesians. We are all God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so as you, you are thinking about greatness and, and being great in the kingdom of God, a big part of that is to recognize what God has made you to be and to be okay with that. To, and, and so the illustration that God uses is, is a body, right? So as you look at your hands, that, that as you look at your eyes, ears, that each one of them, the eye is meant for seeing, the, seeing, the ear are meant for hearing, the mouth is meant for tasting or for speaking, that if, if you try to be, you force something on a, a different sense, it, it just, it doesn't work that way. And so part of this process is to ask yourself the question, what has God made me to be? And some of that you might have the, this conversation with yourself, but we encourage you as well to have that conversation with other people. That sometimes as, as you consider your giftedness and others see giftedness, they might see you a little bit differently and it's worthy of a conversation. And so the place at Crosswalk where, where we have created an environment to have those conversations is something called Christian Essentials 3 service. And what we do is we go through something called a shape test. And the shape is your spiritual gifts, that's the S. The H is the heart, where, what, where is God, what has God put on my heart? A is ability, you know, what, what gift set do I have? P is your personality, and E is your experience. And what that is meant to be, talking about your shape, is it's meant to be a conversation starter. It's, it's meant to make each of us and as individuals kind of look at our past, to look at our present, and then say, how has God been preparing me for works of service that are coming into the future? And that's the beauty of this, is it doesn't make any difference how old you are or what your experiences are, that each one of those are preparing you in a, a very unique way for whatever God has in mind for you. And so we don't aspire to this position or that necessarily, but rather say, God, put us 
where you want us in your kingdom. And, and just a final thing about this, it, it just made me think of it. Today I went and visited a man who is close to hospice. He is in stage four brain cancer. And, I, and as I was talking to him, I, I asked him about what I could do for him and, uh, and the comfort I could bring from God and just different questions about what he was going through. And in words I was not ready for, he said to me, Pastor, I don't even think this is about me. I think this is about God, and I think this is about his plan for me. And, and he is leading me down that path. And to the extent that I can look at what he has in mind for me, I'm going to be okay. And I just couldn't, I really, I was shocked at how healthy a mindset that was. He has a lot of his dreams, things that he wanted to continue to live for. And he's like, you know what? God has a different plan for me. And so what I'm going to do is follow that. I encourage you to do the same. So does Jesus. Let's see how. Uh, we get to the next words. Uh, Mark 10, verses 41 through 42. When the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, so these are non-Jewish people, they lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. As, as Jesus is, is now was talking with those two, and now the other, the other ten heard about this, and so now they're mad. They're mad because there's only these two positions, and there's twelve of us. Who's going to get these positions? And, and Jesus really has to, to tell them, listen, you guys, I understand how the world around you looks at leadership as someone gets to be the boss and then everyone else has to do what the boss says. That's not the way that it works with us. Um, it, it is going to be different. And so the fill-in is that the disciples thought that greatness was a staircase leading up. So greatness, they thought, yeah, I just need to continue. And we use the same terminology, don't we? Climb the ladder of success. They thought it was a staircase leading up to one day, finally, where I get to be the boss, where I get the power, I get the prestige, I get the position that I want. And we don't need to spend a lot of time here other than to say, that is not Christ's way. And he points them to something different. And these are the next words from Mark 10, 43 to 44. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. I'll do the fill-in right away. Jesus' path to greatness is a staircase, all right, but is it, it is a staircase leading down to service and humility. Wow. Wow. That, that is so counterintuitive to greatness that, that in, in an effort to be seen as great, the path to it is humility. The, the path to it is service. And for service, a, a little definition I like to say of services, service is simply love in action. That, that it's, it's this love in action that I, I look around and say what needs to be done and 
Whom can I serve? Where is an opportunity? And I'm telling you, if, if you have that attitude of a servant's heart, you will see the need for others to be served constantly. That, that's the one thing there is universally, is so much need. And, and as we, we look at this, I, I just want to take a second. I, and the reason why this is important to me is because I am the senior pastor of Crosswalk Church. And what does that mean? Does it mean I'm the boss? Does it mean that I get my way? Does it mean that I dictate uh, the things that go on here at church? No, that's not what it means at all. And as a matter of fact, there, there's a, a, a little thought process I use when making decisions. Number one is, what does God say here? That, that has God made it clear in his word what, what he wants to do? Number two, what serves people and shares Christ best? That's the second one. Then finally, at the very bottom is, what does Dan want? And I, I don't do it perfectly. I don't. I, I don't serve in humility uh, in, a, in a perfect way. But I do want you to know that that is what I aspire to. And that as we look at the leadership group of Crosswalk, I believe that we do have a staff who believes the same. That, that the things that we've talked about is that the way to greatness is God, in God's kingdom that we try to do is to serve you and serve with you as best we can. And so right now what I'd like to show you is we, we could talk all day about all the service that is being done at Crosswalk. But just one little piece that I would like you to watch right now is what's going on in Crosswalk Kids and the service that is being done by our leadership with Andrea and Noel and Amy. They are so awesome. And, and the reason why, I believe, is because they serve with humility and lead their team to do the same. My name is Liz and I've been volunteering at Crosswalk for about 17 years. My name is Brad Wright and I've been vo volunteering at Crosswalk Kids now for two years. My name is Melody. I've been volunteering for about three years. I'm Monica Jindal. I've been volunteering since sixth grade, so four years. You know, I always believed in service and I thought, you know, one of the things God has blessed me with is the ability to make people feel comfortable and be able to serve others, which in turn makes me feel good. And I just love being able to encourage those to do that. Uh, the interaction with the kids, it's probably the, the best part. I love seeing them grow. I love seeing them just from some of the ones I've had for a couple years, seeing where they were, where they are now. It's, I get, I'm the one that gets blessed by it, I think. You know, I'm a mother of three myself, so I was always very grateful for the Crosswalk Kids um, and, you know, how it's blessed my family. So when it was time for me to plug in and serve, I just felt like that's where um, God drew me to, to help out. I just really love, like, being with the kids and helping them grow up a bit. Listening to the kids about all their stories and about their week and just hearing them learn about God. Sometimes it's a highlight of my week, just the reward of making the kids uh, feel loved and valued. 
My favorite part is the kids. I love connecting with them and when they come out of their shells and show their little personalities, I just really enjoy them. I think the family. Um, not only do you get to engage with others, but you create a family in God. And I think that you build that at Crosswalk, especially with um, just the strong Christian bond and the learning of Christ in our children's ministry. One part of my role as volunteer coordinator is volunteer appreciation. And we say it all the time, but we could not do what we do without our volunteers. We, the three of us could not be in every classroom working with all the teachers. We can't do it all. And so we rely on you. Yeah, and thank you so much for all your help and supporting Crosswalk Kids Ministry, whether you've been praying for us, whether you've been giving money uh, so that we can be served financially, or if you're one of those people that are volunteering right now in our program. Uh, we love you and we thank you, and, and God bless. I love connecting people. So if it's volunteers, um, connecting with each other, parents, the children, just being able to see those connections really brings a my, a lot of joy to my heart. If there's anybody who is interested in volunteering at Kids, please stop at the Hub, uh, fill out the paperwork, or come on over to Kids, and we'll be we'd love to give you a tour and show you what we're all about. It's such an exciting ministry; you will not be disappointed. Thank, Thank you, volunteers. We love you. Yeah, so thankful for their service. And now this takes us really, where, where this, this greatness quest with service, where does it end up? Where does this uh, journey take us? Back to Jesus, of course. For even the Son of Man, referring to Jesus, referring to himself, or for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. It is so beautiful to see in Jesus, when, when you think about Jesus as true God, that, that part of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that, that when you think of his greatness, his greatness is seen in his love. His greatness is seen on the cross. His greatness is seen by him living the perfect life and dying as the sacrifice for sin. And so in the blank, you can write, Jesus' service brought us to heaven and praise to God. And so that first part, his service brought us to heaven. That remember at the beginning, I talked about wanting to have a life that makes a difference. I know we talk a lot of times about wanting to save the world, but I'm telling you, if you think in terms of making a difference in one person's life eternally, that's a good life. And I, I don't want you to miss that. And so what this looks like, this might, might be a mom sharing Jesus with their kids or a grandma encouraging their grandchildren or a dad or whoever, a brother, whatever it is, that sometimes, you know, we're thinking about those people who are out there. We need to think about those who are right here. And then as you look at making that difference, then also whichever lives God puts in front of us, how can I make a difference for them eternally. And then the second part is that it's also a way that I give praise to God. And so it makes me think, uh, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. The last verse 
that, that as we think about this again, where we started, higher calling, call to serve, how, how am I great? How do I make a difference? Probably the best place to see this when you talk about Jesus is Ephesians, or excuse me, Philippians chapter 2. And in Philippians chapter 2, it says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature with nature God, that he was true God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped onto, but he made himself nothing. Being found in human appearance, uh, he humbled himself. Ultimately, it gets to saying, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And that's the previous verse where it said he gave his life as a ransom for many. But here is the greatness part in, in verse 9 through 11. Therefore, because of that payment, because of his, his humility and his service, his love and action, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so as we look at the, great, the greatest one, it's Jesus. And it's Jesus because he did this. He, he lived in service and humility and reflected the glory of God perfectly. And as we look at him, having been loved by him, having been served by him, our lives now also become this response to God's love. And so, do you want to be great in the kingdom of God? It's not about you. Greatness in the kingdom of God is when your life reflects the love of Jesus and they are able to see Christ in you. That is what greatness is, is that when through my life others see God and that when I am able to serve, that I am able to put the love of Jesus in action to make a difference in others' lives. This is the end of the Higher Calling message series. I hope you have loved it as much as I have because it is, this is one that I'm going to come back to. I, I know I am personally to come back and look at some of these messages. They're my favorite accounts in the Bible of just this interaction with Jesus. And I pray that it is a blessing for you. And I hope it also inspires you to want to make a difference in your life. Please look for opportunities, whether it's inside Crosswalk for service or in our community, ways that you are able to reflect the love of Jesus Christ. And, and when you think about the difference you make, I'm just going to give you a little heads up. Probably the, the biggest difference it's going to make is in your heart and your life as you grow closer in your relationship with Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you for calling us higher, that, that we come to you uh, so often in prayer and in so many different ways, pretty certain about what we want, and you give us something better. And so, Lord, as, as we end this, we realize that really the greatest gift that you give us is that you are the center of our lives, and that in our lives, we share in your greatness when we simply reflect your love in our lives. 
Now help us to go from here, Lord, and make a difference, to take the way that you have made us to, to explore that, to see the, your workmanship in our hearts and in our lives, and then to use that to your glory and to the service of others. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you go from here today, go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Mm-hmm.